the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brockler back with you here for the great Peter Boyles. I'll be with you until 9 and then again until 10. I don't know why I say it like that, but that's just two different shows, but it's still just one dude. And then, of course, a week from Friday up on the interwebs right now at 710knus.com is the ability to go in, check out the time. Someone said, George, you keep saying 5 to 10. It really says 7 to 10 on the event. That might be true, but we are on air 5 to 10. The event at the Centennial Base Viewhouse may be 7 to 10. $15 tickets. That doesn't mean you can't pay more, but it, no less than $15. You can bring tips if you'd like. I know Pete would like that. Uh, we have been talking about, we just came out of a segment where we were talking about this 71-year-old guy, a pickleball player who lives in Denver, plays in Denver, and he used a Sharpie on some hardwood inside one of the Denver parks and rec buildings to scratch out some markings necessary for pickleball. It wasn't it wasn't like a graffiti. It wasn't art. It sounds like he had tried to get them to do something else, and they didn't. This might have been out of frustration. This might have been a screw you. I don't know. But we've started, started to ask the question, what do you do as the DA? Because this dude had a warrant for his arrest for what is the equivalent of a fifth-class felony for criminal mischief, $10,000 in damage, punishable by one to three years in the Department of Corrections, even though it's probation eligible and, and he doesn't have to be prosecuted for it. So I started asking the question, what do you do? Then it comes to me, through Billy, if you heard this, that our own Mark Crowley, former lawman himself, and apparently a guy who's about to start his own like home ec podcast, says that I can fix all of this before we get to this miracle solution, or at least claimed miracle solution. We'll see. And we've got a bunch of people here at 303-696-1971 and a ton of people texting in. I want you to hear the audio from the DenverGeneral.com, CB um, Cotton, great young reporter out there. And someone corrected me, too. Her dad wasn't a sergeant major. Her dad was a retired police, which is great. That's another thing that makes her awesome. But this is a clip from that story. The whole pickleball community is really saddened and shocked. Jan Deaver's friend and fellow player, Arslan Gunay. He is what we call the mayor of pickleball. Loves the game, one that's a mix of tennis, racquetball, and ping pong. He usually plays indoors here at Denver's Central Park Recreation Center. But his future in the sport isn't clear after he received this email this week, notifying him his Denver Parks and Rec membership had been suspended indefinitely because of this. Gounet and others used the basketball court for pickleball. The lines needed for the game had faded, so Gounet marked them with a sharpie. That led to his membership being suspended and an arrest warrant being issued for felony criminal mischief and claims of $10,000 in damages. This community is willing to um, remove the marks, hire a contractor to do it safely, uh, to apologize, to volunteer with the community. But this is outrageous. The community wants answers, but we, again, we want to sit down and work this out, reach a resolution, 
This was an incredible misunderstanding and a mistake. It was not a crime. Arslan had no intent to damage. In Denver, I'm CB Cotton. Well, listen, so that's, uh, I think it's Hoskins is the last name of the attorney, a super qualified defense attorney out there. She said something interesting in there. One, not a crime because he didn't have the intent. That's not part of the statute. It's knowingly causes damage. Now, he may have thought it was easy to clean up. It turns out it wasn't. And the story that we get from Billy and others is that and and, and Mark Crowley is that apparently they made a, a dog's breakfast out of this by trying to clean it up the old fashioned way. And I presume that means it's smeared and went everywhere. But that's what happens with permanent marker. And then Mark Crowley comes in and says, I have this super magic thing that would have fixed this thing and everyone goes home. So right now in studio with us, I'm going to turn on his, his microphone is on right now is the aforementioned former Denver lawman, Mark Crowley, the guy that kind of runs all the show technologically and everything behind us. Unflappable, by the way. It's hard to get him stressed out. Sir, you are standing here in front of me, and I don't want to describe the clothing optional nature of what you've done, but there is a board in front that looks like it's – how would you describe that board? This is what I would call a – Dry erase board? A dry erase whiteboard. Dry erase board. Now, you have a couple of pens in front of you. I do. The one that is in your gun hand right now. The one in my gun hand is a Sharpie fine point. And you, if, if you would read this, sir. Yeah, this is like a magic trick. Like, I'm checking it. I'm, and you and on. I have never met one another before. We've never met before, Mark. Hang on. I've sniffed it. It is, whoa, that is for sure a Sharpie and a fresh one at that. Exactly. That's, I think that's 2019 right after exactly the rain. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. So on the whiteboard, and everybody who's ever had a, any teacher out there knows, any person who has a whiteboard knows that the worst thing you can do to a whiteboard yeah, is write on it with a right. permanent marker. Or set fire to it. But yeah, so I'm going to draw on the whiteboard with the Sharpie, He's doing permanent it. marker, approximately the size of this square drawn on the floor of the Stapleton Rec Center. Mark's Excuse taking me, Mark, the Central Park. He's, t- he's taking the blue Sharpie right now. And he's making what appears to be, my God, a square. You could really work on that, man. I don't. I know it's it's a square with squiggly. That lines. is a square. That's like a now, square, like SpongeBob square. We'll let that dry for a moment. And if yeah. if you, sir, would take your finger, yeah, oh, careful, and rub it across oh, okay. the Wait. blue. Mark. All right. Thank you, because and that know got, that that I, is a permanent mark. Holy smokes. Not only is that a permanent mark, if you're watching at home, you can see I'm rubbing my finger across the dry. Ra- There's no smudges. There's nothing. nothing. It's not coming off. No. Can I lick my? Can I lick you it? Can, yeah, absolutely, you could. I don't know where. I'd it's rather been. you didn't. I, yeah, okay. I'm not. Then I don't. Should, I'm going to go pinky. Okay, that's pinky a finger that would be okay. I'm going to go a little pinky. Okay, now listen. I have just touched my acidic tongue to my pinky and rubbed it across the blue square. Nothing. Maybe just the faintest. Of, there's just nothing going on. It's there forever, Mark. Exactly. Nice work. You've ruined Thanks. it. I've ruined my own whiteboard. And by, well, we just saw a coffee cup so, spin off into the abyss. By the way, you are banned from here indefinitely. Thank you. <laughs> Fortunately, there was nothing in the coffee cup. Yeah. So well, yeah. now, and remember that the, the floor, the laminate floor, is is a solid surface. It's not porous anymore. No, it's not porous. So you can put water on there and all right. that sort of thing. Yeah, they for took, sports they and took stuff. solvent and tried to rub through it and rub through no, the no, no, finish no. down to the wood. That's what why kind they of have solvent? To, do you know? I don't they, know. They talked how did about you know it. they did that? They I saw it on the story yesterday. Okay. But... That's what they're saying is ten thousand dollars because they have to refinish the entire floor. That's oh the ten thousand dollar Okay, yeah. so this little two inch square. Yeah. Now I hold in my hand a fresh low odor 
Expo dry on, erase marker. If you would take a look this at that, This one's please. green. It says Expo Low Odor. They call it the Billy. And uh, that There's nothing low have, odor about Billy, does, by the way. It doesn't have nearly no. the pleasing smell as the Sharpie, the blue Sharpie. So but it I, is an Expo. On my whiteboard, where the two-inch square is drawn in blue Sharpie ink. Yeah, very generous. I'm going to write over this. He is coloring right, and it's actually smearing it's some smearing of the lines. smearing the what lines. The hell? I'm drawing over the permanent marker, Wait taking minute, my little It's all like turquoise now. And then I erase with the dry erase right. board. He just took the eraser, the, the designated dry erase board that goes with the Expo with the pen board. and the whiteboard. Right. Exactly. And it's gone. It has disappeared. It is, and had they done that on the pickleball slash all-purpose court, it would have come off to any surface that isn't porous. Yeah, like as long that, as it's a solid surface like this, it would have just come up every time. That is so interesting, Mark Crowley. That, uh, huh? That is just well, it's ridiculous that it came off. I feel like I'm watching one of those uh, British accented infomercials. Like that blood stain is completely gone. You can't grow the arm back, but that shirt is as white as ever, you know, or something <laughs> something like that. This thing is, that's an incredible trick. Mark, you need to post that. Mark Crowley's stain removal tip of the day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure if you go to YouTube, you can find that very thing. Well, apparently they don't have YouTube in the Denver no. Parks and Rec District no. because they went right to of some sort of heavy solvent. I don't know what they use, Comet. To try to, to try to take it up? Acetone or so something? So you, you now bring up a great point, and I think that this question was asked by Billy as well, and that is, well, wait a minute. If this dude's conduct was not permanent, just if someone smart like Mark had been in there with his dry erase pen, and this thing comes up, there's no crime, right? There's no crime. But because they tried to ameliorate what they presumed to be an unfixable situation by pouring acid or whatever on this thing, now he's on the hook for them being idiots. And th- he's paying for the damage that they caused. No, that's a, that's a new twist here. That's amazing. Now, it seems to me under those circumstances, Hoskins has a much stronger... Although, again, 71 years old, you don't want to be going to bed for six months to a year sweating whether or not a jury's going to agree with you. But I got to say, this is one where I think you go to the... Ju- you can't get it knocked out of probable cause. But Maybe. And you go to the DA and say, this just needs to be dismissed. Let us work with the parks people in a civil capacity. Mark Crowley, that was magic. I mean, almost really magic. You know, a lot of people talk about the the Mr. Clean uh, magic eraser. Yeah, so, someone sponge. up here did. They did. That, that probably would have worked, too, but not as quickly as this little trick. Someone said WD-40. I would I would worry about WD-40 a little bit. but Really? Yeah. No, but but I, I do think that that's a, a solution. Will it get blood out of clothes? I'd rather not comment on that. <laughs> there is a favorite scene, by the way, before we get back to the callers at 303-696-1971, there's a favorite scene in one of the later seasons of The Office. I think it's season nine where they have a Halloween party and Creed is there. <laughs> and uh, he's covered in blood on his shirt. And someone's like, oh, dude, great costume. And they do that cutaway interview and he goes... Well, that's good timing. It's Halloween. <laughs> anyway, Mark Crowley 
superstar, not just an IT guy, a stain guy. Thank you for that. That's Thank perfect. I'm sorry you weren't there on the scene. If you played pickleball, we might not even be here today exactly. having this conversation. That, that's right. Maybe you need to pick that thing up. Listen, I want to get – that's a really important turn of events here that we've just uncovered. Breaking news right here on 710 KNUS. I want to get to the phone lines right here. Paul from Denver, you're on 710 KNUS. What do you think, sir? Good morning. Well, I think Mark is a genius. He probably also Mark is a comes into you comes into your uh, studio every once in a while and, and says, "Look, just unplug it and plug it in again." Right? Mark is an yeah. unplug it guy. I also see him doing that thing where once the room is empty, he hits it with something. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> yeah. acts like he's diagnosing it, but then when everyone's gone, <laughs> gives it a good pound. Well, there are a lot of people who know that trick. Um, so a couple of things come to mind, but I'm glad I came yeah. a- after Mark. First of all, that means that they are uh, th- the damage is uh, contributory, right? That's oh, yeah. you, the, the legal term. So, uh, and po- possibly to a much greater extent than what this uh, the original guy. That is did. true, absolutely uh, true. And and secondly, the other factors I I would think that would uh, modify how we think about this is what was the uh, maintenance schedule. In other words, clearly this guy did it because something had faded. Yeah. So now the Parks and Reg facility people are supposed to have a maintenance schedule and a, an associated budget out of our taxes to make sure that this stays fresh. I mean, people are paying their dues. Taxes are being paid in order to keep all these resources and facility fresh. That's true. And up to par. So. I'll give you an extreme case, which probably wasn't the case. They were scheduled the next day to redo the floors anyway, right? Or was it five years or ten years from now that or they never. were going to redo the floors anyway? Or never. That's right. In which case, well, I mean, these are discussions that that would presumably have to happen. In my opinion, none of it has to happen. They just let them do some community service. And she shouldn't have to pay anything, quite frankly, uh, or maybe some administrative fine. And uh, um, and then uh, get the darn thing refixed because obviously it needed it. It was, you know, it was faded, but they caused that extra damage uh, for for sure. Would it matter to you if this guy were just a total a-hole to them? Like, hey, you guys need to fix this. And they're like, hey, buddy, we can't. We don't have it in the budget. And he's like, give me a Sharpie. And he walks over there and does that grumpy old man thing. Does that change your analysis of this at all? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, uh, emotionally, maybe. I don't know about legally. No, I agree with you on the legally thing. And then I think (laughs) it's important that Hoskins says, his attorney says, he didn't have the intent to do it, not relevant to the charge. But I think what her point is, is that this guy believed that whatever he was doing was temporary. And and he may be a, a chucklehead in believing that permanent marker can just easily wipe up off of it. But not completely out of the realm of reasonable. We've seen people use permanent markers on the dry erase board, right? And we don't, we, we don't right. acid and, away and the not, dry erase not board. Not any more of a chucklehead than the facility people for trying oh, to use the solvent point. to clean it up. Which is the true source of the damage. That's right. The now, the other the point I called for, yeah. what, having to do with this bill, this abortion bill that's up in front of Polis. Now, I just skimmed it. I really didn't get yeah. into the, the meat of it. Uh, but it's concerning uh, on a number of fronts. Um, but w- one is I don't know. I, I know nationally uh, the polls show that uh, the voters are not supportive of an open ended. Y- you can have abortion till the very till yeah, till the fourth trimester. Yeah, right. I don't know what that looks like for Colorado specifically, because now it looks like 
uh, not only with the Supreme Court tending towards let the states decide and get rid of Roe and Wade, um, but that's what this whole bill is supposed to be able to do. Now, my first reading of the bill was that it doesn't it it, it secures all the way up to the very end. Um, but I could be wrong on that because, like I said, I didn't read it in great there detail. There are no limits that I'm aware of in that, that bill. That, I didn't read any limits, but I just wanted to make sure that I was accurate on that. If there are no limits, it would seem to me, having lived in Denver and Colorado for some many decades, that that probably doesn't jive with polling. So then I say, now, I don't know what Polis is going to do on this. Um, oh, I, he's signing it. There's no doubt he's going to sign it. Okay, so, he's, so let's say so he signs it, and there's big fanfare and big commotion, and I'm surprised I haven't heard the commotion already on this. Um, and then what's going to happen? What's going to be the backlash? Is there going to be a ballot measure to pull it back to make sure the citizens have a voice? Because Colorado lately has been doing a lot of things that go against the uh, voters' wishes. They, the, the legislature, you're talking about. Things, things through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the time. I, yeah. I think I think the legislature, and I didn't want to turn this into this conversation. I love the parts that you brought up before, and thank you for that, Paul. But I will say this, you know, the, the legislature can look to the last abortion-type bill that made it on through petition signatures, and that was the 22-week abortion ban. And uh, it failed, and not by one or two votes. It failed pretty healthily there. And so I can see them saying, we're not that worried about somebody else showing up and uh, trying to trim back what we're doing here, which is a Katie bar the door, no limits abortion style state, which I don't believe that's where Coloradans are. But it's kind of irrelevant because the legislature is left of where Colorado is. It has been for many, many years, and they're going to continue to do stuff like that. Uh, the This Peter Boyle's wall here continues to blow up with these texts that are a combination of things like um, if you say he's 71 one more time, I will scream. You voted twice for a 70 plus year old man to be president of the United States and would do so again. A guy over 70 ought to know better. I totally agree. But the idea that someone has lived 70 plus crime free years matters, matters more than an 18 year old who's lived 18 crime free years. Right. So this is a guy who should know better. But also this is a guy who makes a mistake like this. We probably give him a little bit more credit than someone much younger who makes the same mistake, not because he should know better. And then we get people who come up with these ideas, these Mark Crowley-like genius stain removal ideas. Believe it or not, Huggies baby wipes work well on removing permanent marker from whiteboards, too. I wonder if Huggies could have wiped away this guy's criminal mischief charge by cleaning up that thing. I don't know. We probably have to get Mark back in here for another test run in one of these future hours. Uh, Here's one. Someone says Auraria campus professor Glenn Morris was prosecuted in early 1990s for pouring fake blood over the Christopher Columbus statue in Civic Center Park. The court found him not guilty because de minimis amount of cleaning was needed. No permanent damage was caused. That's pretty telling, too. That could have been the case here had calmer heads and smarter heads and had Mark Crowley been there with his uh, expo pen. The bigger question for me is legally is, are you allowed to take some sort of steps in remediation? And does the damage that's caused get judged by whether you're good or not at it or whether you make the right move? Or is it the person that puts you in a place to make a decision? Now, granted, 
somebody uses Sharpie on a hardwood floor and you set fire to it, I think that's outside the realm of reasonable. But you use a solvent to clean it up. That might be stupid in light of what we know. But was it reasonable for you to respond that way? And if so, isn't the dude who made the mark still on the foot? I don't want to turn this into a law school problem, which, by the way, I was not very good at. Uh, But I do want to continue this conversation with you. What do you do with this guy? Is there any role for the criminal justice department to play or or, or, um, part of the the criminal justice system to play here? Now, the person who said, hey, guy ought to know better, he's 70. Do you think he should be prosecuted? Do you think he needs to go to court with the threat of incarceration or conviction hanging over his head? Or is this something independent of whether the stuff could have been cleaned up right away? Is this something that is the appropriate use of the criminal justice system or should he have been sent somewhere else, some sort of civil system at most small claims court i don't even know if it goes up to ten thousand bucks but small claims court or some other agreed upon restitution schedule we're going to have some we're going to have more conversations with you about this chris everybody else on hold at 303-696-1971 i promise if you hang on we'll get you on after the break but until that time you're listening to george brock we're filling in for the godfather peter Boyles, right here 710 KNUS. George Brocker back with you here for Pete Boyles on 710 KNUS. Uh, the story driving the hour is about the, and I'm going to say it for the texter who wants to pull his or her hair out, 71-year-old man. I think he has no criminal history. Look, if we find out this dude was just paroled off of a sex assault charge, maybe I feel differently about it. But in terms of the conduct, 71-year-old guy, presumably no criminal history, pickleball lover, uh, went out there and marked with some permanent marker on a hardwood court that was the Denver Parks people's property. And they went and tried to fix it and used, I don't know, acid or something, some sort of an abrasive, some sort of a solvent. And they caused big damage to the floor. They want to charge him for 10,000 bucks, sent him to the Popo, even though he said, hey, I'd love to try to help you fix this. Warrant for his arrest. He's turned himself in on what I presume are felony charges for causing $10,000 worth of damage to property that didn't belong to him. Couple questions going here. If you knew that it was the parks people that made the permanent damage, because we just had Mark Crowley in here doing some sort of a magic trick with this Expo pen, writing over a Sharpie thing on a dry erase board, and poof, it was gone. Uh, And actually, after he finished that, I did it on my teeth. My teeth are whiter doing the amazing stuff. Um, what do you do with this? First off, is this any? Is there any room in the criminal justice universe for this case? And maybe the answer is yes, right? And, and, and if you tell me there's no room here, I'm going to ask you questions like, and here's one of the textures too, how many times has Denver Parks and Rec gone after gangs who graffiti Denver Park property? Great question, Alexa. Like if this were graffiti, would you feel differently? If it were... Instead of a pickleball thing, it was someone who wrote, same size though, someone who wrote a racial epithet or someone, and again, I know there's a separate crime that you think there is called hate crime. There isn't, but there's something like that. There is an enhancer. But if they wrote just profanity, let's just say profanity, would you feel differently about it? If you found out, man, an Expo pen from Mark Crowley's desk drawer would have done the trick, but the... Or would you have said, no, no, that dude's a jerk. we got to get that guy. Let's go to the phone lines here. We have a line open, 303-696-1971. Chris, you're on 710 KNUS. Hey, George. I'll make this real quick. No, no, take your time. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, he's already turned himself in, so, uh, you know, he's he's kind of admitting the guilt. So I think you need to get to uh, the uh, punishment to fit the crime. I think he needs to work off the $10,000 uh, that they're stating in community service. 
and I think they should make him teach pickleball. Make him teach pickleball for free. I like that. That's community engagement. <laughs> what do you, you say? To, what do you say to the idea that the parks people go, "Hey, man, we already have a thin budget." I don't know if you've ever watched the uh, documentary Parks and Rec, but uh, and I'm kidding there. It's not a documentary, but um, exactly, I they, know. they have a thin budget, right? What do you? Right. Where does that ten thousand bucks come from? Who's on the hook for that? Well, you know, uh, like I said, though, you know, let let him let him teach pickleball until he reaches a ten thousand dollar equivalent. Uh, you know, equivalent. There you go. W- so problem solved. Would you keep the criminal charges pending against him until he agrees to that, or until it's completed, or is this something you do? Like, do you just dismiss the case outright, or do you use it as some sort of an incentive, like that hammer hanging over him? Well. You know that's uh, that's there anyway, isn't it? I mean, you can't it is for now. They could dump Hall. it. They could dump it. Yeah, they could. They could. But you know, the guy the guy is out there. You know, he's called the mayor of pickleball. So you know, he's providing a community service by teaching anyway. Yeah. I say drop the damn thing and let him continue the community service that he's already providing. Yeah, Chris, that I think that's a common sense answer. That's what I love from Seven Ten KNUS. That's what normal people think, and yet somehow other people that live in our community that breathe the same air we do saw this and said, let's get the police involved. Well, there you go. Yeah, hey, Chris, thanks for the great phone call. Thanks for listening. 303-696-1971. Chris's line is open. We're going to go to Andy. Andy, you're on the George Brockler show. Well, George Brockler filling in for Peter Peter Boyle show, 710 KUS. Man, that was a mouthful. I think it's the Sharpie I sniffed. Good, Good job. Hey, this is one of those tough cases, Georgia. You know, I'm a police officer. Uh, somebody calls us. Um, there is some type of an incident. Uh, we go out there and investigate it. We document everything. We kick it over to detectives, and then the detectives go ahead and file the case. And what you're hoping as a detective is is some some uh, some common sense, I guess. You know, maybe, hey, look, here's the case. These are all the facts. And then you kick it over to them, and you hope that they do the right thing. And in my opinion, they're not doing the right thing. Yeah, and, um, yeah, Andy, super insightful here. The other thing that you know from being on the street is that over the years, there has been an effort to remove discretion away from street cops through two oh, different absolutely. two different vehicles. One absolutely. is statutorily. So, for instance, and, and maybe we're good with this, but like domestic violence and, and child abuse and stuff, if you have probable cause, the law says – don't care what your thoughts are, got to arrest that person. But there's also liability. So I presume that the the policies that the departments adopt in part are if we don't do something here and and something bad happens, they're going to come back and sue us. And so more and more they're telling cops, you are automatons. You go out there, you get this information. You now have to take action. Well, and, and George, you also know this from working in municipalities and counties and jurisdictions, all this kind of stuff. And you know, the municipality that I work for, look, <clears throat> if our city um, equipment is damaged, hey, regardless of whether or not it was a criminal act or intentionally or knowingly or whatever, we're going to go out there and take a report. That's true. Once that report is taken, because because we've got to document that damage. You know, we, we serve our community. So we're going to go out there and we're going to take a report. Once that report is taken, you're going to kick it over to a detective, you know, especially on the felony level. I, you know, in my agency, I don't investigate the felonies, you know, I'll go out there and take the paperwork and then it gets kicked over to a detective. But that's going to be up to them. You know, then, then the, you know, the a deputy chief or a commander or whoever is in charge of that division can help make that determination. Hey, this dude does need to be charged or we're going to sit on it or either way, 
generally, and you know this, it's going to get presented to a DA. Yeah, the DA right. is going to look at it and say, yeah, you know, based on what you have here, you know, we think that we can file these charges, blah, blah, blah. Um, you're extremely familiar with that. But the problem that, I'm, that, I, that I really see with this is, you know, look what, look what went on with Lee Keltner. You're telling me that you didn't have enough to go ahead and pursue at least a trial out of that one, but yet this guy, we're going to go ahead and accept these charges? What well, I really, and then, you know, Stefan brings up another great point last night is what about all the damage to, to the city of Denver over the, the summer of 21? Oh, I've gotten some I mean, texts on that too. What are we doing about yeah, that? Yeah, just all that, that all, that all just goes along, you know, into the wind because it was, you know, peaceful protests, but this guy we're going to hammer. And, it and, just, it, and it by the way, those so protest, those protest vandals, those, those criminals, unlike this dude, there is no argument, but that they knew and intended their outcome. Intended. They absolutely, absolutely knew what they were doing. This guy Absolutely. could say, I didn't, I thought it would wipe up. I did, you know, they couldn't say that. I thought toppling the statute would just go right back up, you know? Well, and even then, George, there's an, there's an even more interesting part of this, I think, in that he said that all he was doing, or, or my understanding of the, of, the, of the story, is that all he was doing was really just filling in something that was already there and had faded. So really, I mean, can you say... You know, uh, if there's a white line dividing the, the middle of the road and one of them happens to be faded and I go out there and paint that back in, did I, you know, and, and say when I do that, um, you know, that paint later can't be painted over or something. Did I, you know, did I cause damage to something that was already there? That, could, just, it, that it, could be arguable. I think the point that you raised, though, is that, look, the DA here has to make a decision. And if they yes. were to accept these charges and move forward with them. And, and the guy's already been now in a place where he had a, has a PR bond, right? So there's something starting right. in that Sixth Amendment realm of getting the system ginned up against him. If the DA's office moves forward with this case and these charges, there's something really, really wrong going on here, okay? Because this I guy has shown a willingness to make amends, and the right. case sucks, I think Mark Crowley's magic demonstration totally. in here and a bunch of people in the text world, this thing is totally fixable. And it was the fault of the people trying to take the, the stuff off that he did that, that caused all the damage. But, but let me ask you this since, since I've got you, Andy, and you do the police work. Look, is there any world in which anymore where you or maybe even the detective you're required to submit the reports to could come out, bring these people together and act like a member of the community and say, listen, sir, here's the deal. I can move forward with this, and I don't want to do that. Can you guys sit down and figure this damn thing out so that we don't gin up the criminal justice? Can can you do that? Can a detective do I, that? Or is the system set up to say, no, you know, we don't care about your, I, your attempts to solve problems? I do believe that's possible, George, but not in this particular case, and here's why. I would do stuff like that all the time as a street cop. I'd go out and talk to, you know, two neighbors. You know, maybe some neighbor had damaged a bush or something like that and it's oh i want to file charges and i want to do this and i want to do that yeah i mean you you know the types of things that we respond to these are these are real things um but but i would do just that you know i'd go out there and i'd mediate as a police officer i'd go out there and say hey is there a way to work this out this guy's willing to replace the bush or, or whatever that may be i do not believe that's possible in these particular cases because there's some head of this you know rec center who feels like they must pursue charges and, and really, is that person even allowed to negotiate? You know what I mean? And then me as a police officer, I'm, am I allowed to, to negotiate on behalf of the city? Because really, that's what I'd be doing because the victim is the city of Denver Damn or the city it. and county of Buddy, Denver. That's and, so painful. And I think, no, no, no. Listen, George, I, I totally agree with you. However, I just think that in these particular circumstances, things are so, um, I guess, uh, highlighted or 
or multiplied beyond what they really are simply because of who the victim is. Does that make sense? You know, it, it, it does. It does. I just and I think you're probably right that government looks out for itself in such a way that they want it documented right. and they want it in the system yes. and they want to get restitution. And, you know, there's such a bureaucracy yes. and litigiousness nexus here that it's troubling. Andy, I got to cut away to a break, man, but keep doing what you're doing out there. Thanks for fighting for us. And thanks for the call. Uh, thanks, George. Take care. Thanks, Andy. Hey, listen, we've got just Andy's line open at 303-696-1971. Jim, Doug, everybody else on hold. I will get you on after this break, but I got to take one. That's what Billy says. Until that time, you're listening to George Brockler. I'm filling in for the great Peter Boyles. This right here is 710-KNUS. Little Merle here on 710-KNUS. George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles. Uh, listen, a little bit of an update here, some information that keeps flowing in from super smart or at least well-informed people. It could be both, I mean, in the Venn diagram, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, the guy that refused to meet with the 71-year-old, there it is, I said it again, 71-year-old pickleball player, the mayor of Pickletown, or Pickleball Town, uh, is the deputy park rec manager, John Martinez. Uh, that is, the I think, the role played by Amy Poehler in Parks and Rec, and she was far nicer. But this guy, John Martinez, this is what I've heard. Buddy of the mayor's, recently $40,000 a year raise, which seems excessive. And it seems to me what he should have gotten was perhaps a $30,000 a year raise because, you know, government and parks. They could take the extra 10, fix the floor, booyah shaka, it's over, and we're done. Now, listen, we have got callers uh, on the line here, but before we do that, um, I think we're going to Billy. Are we going to Alpine Planning Group right now? Thank God, man. Um, there is no better time to listen to people that are super smart here because of everything going on in the market and the world. You just can't figure it out on your own. Let's go to somebody smart. Brian Gray from Alpine Planning Group. What do you think, sir? What can you do to make us smarter and bring our stress down? I don't know about that stress. Just keep the seatbelt on. That's all I can say right there because it's going to going to be a bumpy ride and i think the old pickleball story i think that thing uh incredible isn't it that's going to gain some traction but we'll just kind of listen to you and get the updates on that currently we got two of the three indexes in the green we got the dow up almost 82 points nasdaq is negative 34 points and the s&p is holding on it's up about 4.6 we're looking for the second straight weekly gains in the S&P. Yesterday, we saw a little bit of a market uh, rally, a little sell-off there. We had oil start to creep back up. But I think the big thing is we're, we're taking a look at investors. They're still trying to digest the whole invasion by Russia, keeping an eye on that, and then also keeping an eye on the feds as far as lifting rates and how they're going to attempt to bring this inflation under control. we got mortgage rates that are starting to climb. Gas prices, uh, those are on the rise as we move into the summertime. So, you know, George, we got a lot going on right now. Um, the best thing to do is just keep that seatbelt on, hold on, Talk with your advisor. Make sure that your plans are updated, especially if you're close to retirement. And then if you got any questions, give us a call at the office. We'd love to sit down and talk with you. Brian, quick question. I've started to hear a few more people use that dreaded R word, recession. Uh, you guys have been doing this for so long. 
when folks call you, do you have strategies and efforts that you guys undertake in order to try to address what's going, even if it's something extreme like recession? Yeah, absolutely, George. We actually started looking at this about 12 to 14 months ago. So we're not as as bad in a situation as some of the other advisors out there. But you better believe it. Right now, you got to talk your clients off the ledge a little bit. Um, keep them, keep them rationale, bring them back down to earth. But yeah, that is starting to creep in there more and more. But you know, we go up 500 points one day and then we drop 300 the next day. Whiplash. It's a seesaw rally. Yeah. Seesaw. Alpine Planning Group is a comprehensive financial planning firm committed to improving your long-term financial success. Investing is a matter of trust, and they're prepared to earn yours. Call them at three zero three eight four three. 0918 today. Brian, as always, great. Have a great weekend, and thanks for the info. You too, George. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC and registered investment advisor. Alpine Planning Group and Woodbury Financial Services, Inc. are not affiliated entities. 14 West Dry Creek Circle, Littleton, Colorado, 80120. George Brockler back with you. I want to get right to the phone lines and get as many folks as we can get on before we have to tap out in a couple few minutes. Jim from Denver. What do you think, sir? Hey, it's he, him, Jim, and I just wanted to call in with another common-sense solution to he, Denver's problem. He, him, Jim is so, going to be someone's future birth name. You know that. I Well, I, I feel sorry for that person. I, I just made it up. <laughs> it's great. Go on. Sorry. So here's what we do. Community service-based. We get the old guy, and we set him in a room <clears throat> with uh, some of these uh, inner-city paint-sniffing uh, hooligans, and yeah. they, uh, they're, they're, you know, they've been spray-painting walls. And they have a little community service session to their to themselves. The first uh, the first session will entail how to hold your gun, okay? Because these gangbangers <laughs> that hold their gun horizontally are missing the target. They're hitting community members. It's sick. It's it's disgusting. We need to get them to hold their gun upright. The community will benefit. From uh, Jim, I know, I know it's tongue in cheek because you're talking about. Look, if the gang members are shooting each other, while that may be a tragedy, it isn't the tragedy when an innocent person gets hit. I get what you're trying to say there. I do like the community but, service aspect. Bullets, right? That, but, but in Denver, you know, guns, guns don't kill people. It's the Bigger bullets, the bullets yeah. that kill people. You know, so they don't uh, hold anybody else accountable for that. Uh, Jim, when you look at this outside of the tongue in cheek thing, and I think it, I, I think you were trying to be sarcastic, which is fun, but um, do you think there's any Not role really. for the criminal justice system in here? I think America is now nothing more than a jobs program for lawyers, and I think it's going to feed on itself. God, I want that. To um, be I think true. we're going to be short three hundred thousand lawyers uh, in the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the la- it's not a joke. The, the last time I saw these numbers, and it was a while ago, Colorado, Denver itself was like third in the nation per capita attorneys to normal people. Third, like behind, like I want to say D.C. and L.A. or something like that. A, a crazy statistic, right. not one you can take a lot of pride in because, as you know, the less work there are for attorneys, the more they'll figure out a way to make. I mean, you're gonna, you'll be hard-pressed to find a, home, find a homeless attorney. I'd, I'd, I'd be in seventh heaven if I could build by the uh, half-minute increment. That'd it's, be fantastic. It's six minutes. And by the way, that's hard. For six a dude minutes. that grew okay. up in a system that was salaried, which is as a young prosecutor, I tried to go into private practice and do it. I can't work that way. I can't keep track of I'm like, you know, like You're just trying to get the job done. You're not thinking to yourself, what did I do? How long did it take me to? You're just doing it. You know what I mean? It's How it, can I stretch this divorce from one year to seven years? 
Or I'm thinking about go. a that's, case while I'm it. on the throne. You know what I mean? How do I bill for that? <clears throat> yeah. Great, Jim, thank you for the great call and all the loving words about attorneys. Turns out I am one. Hey, listen, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Mitch Morrissey, former district attorney from Denver, to talk an update on a very powerful, impactful report that has some people freaked out on the other side and under the gold dome. Mitch Morrissey, when we come back, George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles. Right now it's 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.